Amen. Well, this morning we continue in our study on the book of Colossians. Last week we looked at the beginning of chapter 1 and Paul's prayers uh, for the Colossian believers. This morning we come to what I believe is really the theme passage of this entire letter, and that is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, as we have this powerful and beautiful Christology uh, embedded in these verses. I just want to read this passage before we begin. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. The first thing Paul gets into here at the beginning of this passage is that Jesus is the physical display of God. Jesus Christ, God in flesh, is the physical display of God. In verse 15, he says that he's the image of the invisible God. The image of the invisible God. And the word for image here is the Greek word akon, which means it refers to the emperor's head on a coin. Now, it's not the emperor on the coin, but... It is. It's his likeness, his image. If you are not in the presence of the king, you could look at the coin and know what the king looks like. In our day, we might think of a photograph. You might pull out a picture of your spouse or children or grandchildren to show somebody and say, this is my spouse or these are my children or these are my grandchildren. Now, you could technically say, well, that's a picture but it's a physical representation of what they cannot see. We have an invisible God in heaven, but Jesus is the physical manifestation, the physical image of the invisible God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says that he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus is the physical display, the physical image of the invisible God. That if we want to know who God the Father is, what God the Father is like, we look to Jesus because he is the physical image of the invisible God. And it goes on to say in verse 16 that the second subpoint here is that in him all things were created. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. Jesus is the creator of the universe. In Genesis chapter 1, when we have, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we have that little line where it says, let us make man in our own image. We're like, who's the us? The Trinity existed at the moment of creation. The Trinity existed before creation. The Trinity is eternal. And Jesus himself existed for all of eternity. John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the creator of all things. Because Jesus is God. 
Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus and the Father are of one essence. But not only see the image of the indivisible God and in him all things were created, verse 17 says, in him all things hold together. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Literally all things exist through him. All things hold together. All things continue because of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's amazing. If I tell my cats to do something, they stare at me. Jesus, by simply speaking a word, holds the entire galaxy, holds the entire universe, holds all of creation together. In other words, that if Jesus simply said the word, everything would dissolve into molecules and disintegrate. He holds all things together. He created them and he sustains them. So that literally every single second of our lives is a gift of his grace because at any moment he could say, eh, done. And everything would just disintegrate. He sustains all things. He's the image of the indivisible God. In him all things were created. In him all things hold together. In verse 19, it says, the fullness of God dwells in him. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The sum total of God dwells in Jesus Christ. So he, he's not partial God, partial man. He's fully God and fully man. He's not an inferior God. He's not a secondary God. He's not sub-God. He is fully God. The fullness of God, the fullness of deity dwells in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is explained beautifully in John chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was indeed God. I added the indeed, sorry. Jesus is God. Period. He's not a creation of God. He's not an idea of God. He is fully 100% God. And so... Jesus being the physical display of God. If Jesus is God, is he worth following? Yeah, the answer to that is yeah. If Jesus is God, is he worth following completely? Yeah. He is worth being first in our lives. He is worth being the sole priority of life. He is worth everything in our lives. And it sounds obvious to us, but I know there are so many, as we see year after year and decade after decade, prominent Christian leaders falling and people's faith is being shattered. It, it, there's an indication there that other things have been put on that mantle other than Jesus. Because if Jesus is solely above all things, if Jesus is the one who alone is on that mantelpiece of our lives, nothing else is going to shake that. Because he alone is the one who deserves to be there. He is the physical display of God. And because he's the physical display of God, because he is God in flesh, the second point this morning, Jesus is the most supreme being that exists. Verse 15 says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The firstborn of all creation. This doesn't mean that Jesus was created. The sense idea of firstborn is that the firstborn is the inheritor of all things. 
Jesus is the inheritor of all creation. He is not created. He's existed eternally. He is the first, the most important. He is the inheritor of all of creation. In point one, we saw that Jesus created everything and holds everything together. Verse 16 says that all things were created for Him. All things were created through Him and for Him. So we get that all things were created by Him. But what does that mean that everything was created for Him? If everything was created for Jesus, that means everything was created for His pleasure, for His glory, for His honor, for His worship. Everything was created for Jesus, to serve Jesus, to point to Jesus, to be about Him. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Your life, then, was created for Jesus. You exist for Jesus. So that your life would be a gift to Jesus. That your life would honor Him. That your life would bring Him glory. That your life would bring Him praise. And it's so easy for us to think that my little insignificant life. No. You were created. Divinely created. For Jesus. Because you in a unique way can bring praise to Jesus that nobody else can bring. You were created for Him. Not only is he the firstborn of all creation, all things created for him, but verse 18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He's the head of the body, which is the church. Head meaning the one who has the superior rank. The one who has superior rank in this church should be Jesus. The one who should have superior rank in any church is Jesus. Every church is to exist for Jesus. The body of Christ exists for Jesus. Not for our agendas, not for what we want or what we're hoping for or so that we can make a name for ourselves. He is the supreme one in any church that the body of Christ, the church of Jesus, exists for him. So D, he has first place in everything. Verse 18. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That he might be preeminent. That he might have the first place. Whether it's all of creation, whether it's my life, whether it's the church, Jesus is the one who's to have first place. And none of this tie stuff. It's not Jesus is tied for this with first place in my life. It's Jesus, period. Because nobody else in your life, nothing else in your life is God. Because if we put something else in first place, we have made it a God, a false God. Does Jesus have first place in our lives? See, if Jesus is worth following, and if he's worth following completely, he is worth making first in our lives. He is worth receiving all of our worship. Do our lives exist to make much of Jesus? 
foundationally, that is point number one of our lives. We exist to make much of Jesus. We exist to make Jesus known. We exist to point hearts and lives to Jesus. We exist so that people can worship Jesus. Life is about making much of Jesus because he is the most supreme being that exists and he is to have first place in all of creation, in our lives, and in our churches. Third, Jesus is the reconciler of all things. Jesus is the reconciler of all things. Verse 20, he reconciles all things to God. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. And the word reconcile means to make peace. That Jesus is the one who makes peace between man and God. Jesus is the one who exists to make peace between creation and God. Romans chapter 8 verse 21 says, The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Romans talks about creation groaning with eager anticipation for the children of God to be revealed. Because as we live under the curse of sin, as we live under the curse of the fall, if we look at Genesis, we understand that all of creation lives under the curse of the fall. That everything in all creation was tainted because of the fall, the sin of Adam and Eve. And all of creation is waiting for that day when Jesus will reconcile even all of creation to himself. That's pretty significant. Does that mean that bees will stop stinging? I, I certainly think so and hope so. Bees are my pet peeve, sorry. That means... Well, we have this image of the lion will lie down with the lamb that you can go pet a lion because it's not going to try to eat you anymore. Jesus will reconcile all of creation back to God. God who made creation and said that it was good and it was corrupted through sin. But he reconciles things through his blood. Verse 20. He reconciles through his blood making peace by the blood of his cross. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 25, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. How is it that we are reconciled to God? How is it that we can have peace with God? It's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That when Jesus came into the world, you know, a lot of times we, we say, I don't know how to share the gospel. Yes, we do. Because what is the good news? The world has fallen into the dominion of sin and death. Jesus came into the world, lived a perfect and sinless life. And he died on the cross, taking all of that sin, all of that rebellion on himself. And he took upon himself the full weight of the wrath of God so that if we receive that by faith, we can be forgiven of our sins, cleared of all unrighteousness, and be reconciled back to God. Think about the significance of that. 
Sometimes it, it becomes so in, embedded within us that we lose the impact of that. Because of Jesus, we can be brought back to a right relationship with God the Father. That because of Jesus, we can be reconciled to God. That because of Jesus, we can have peace with God. That because of Jesus, we can have the forgiveness of our sins. Because of Jesus, we can have new life. Because of Jesus, we can have eternal life. Because of Jesus, we don't have to live in sin and condemnation and guilt by the things that we've done because we can have forgiveness and be purified from all unrighteousness. Think about what happens if Jesus says, I don't want to do that. He didn't have to. God was under no obligation to provide our reconciliation. But because of His grace and His love, He sent His Son into the world. He sent Jesus into the world for us. And sometimes when we, we think about giving thanks, you know, there's the prayer model of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And, and we come to that thanksgiving part, and it's like, okay, well... Thank you for my family. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for food on the table and a roof over my head. And, and we kind of get these generalities. But have you ever stopped and just camped out in prayer, thanking God for everything that is true in your life now simply because of Jesus? If we truly took that time, we wouldn't have the time to finish. Everything that is true in my life because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, I should be a completely different person now than I would be at this point in my life without him. Without Jesus, I should be living my life with no purpose, no meaning, destined for eternity in hell, with no hope. But every day, I can wake up and knowing that I'm a different person than I should have been. Everything I've ever done that was stupid and sinful can be forgiven. That my eternal destiny is now secure. That I have more blessings than I could ever possibly comprehend. All because of the goodness and kindness of Jesus who went to the cross on my behalf. Not only does Jesus reconcile all things to God and reconciles them through his blood, 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Before we said that life is about making much of Jesus, this is your ministry. This is my ministry. Whatever else might be true of how we serve God, at the end of the day, 2 Corinthians 5.18, this is the ministry God has called all of us to, the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. Of finding those people who have not been reconciled to God and letting them know that that reconciliation is available finding things that are not reconciled back to God and pursuing that reconciliation, being messengers of that peace, being messengers of that new life, messengers of, her that, of that forgiveness, messengers of that love.
That's our ministry. That's our lives. To not just sit back and say, I am reconciled to God and I love it and I'm just going to sit back and take it all in. But to say, because I've been given this gift of reconciliation, I need to invest my life to let other people know that they too can be reconciled. And sometimes if I'm completely honest with myself, I wonder if I really believe this is true. Because if I believe this is true, why isn't it the all-consuming focus of my life? Why do I let other things and little things distract me from this ministry? If I really believe these things are true, it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy other things, but how is this not front and center of my mind 24 hours a day, seven days a week? That I've been reconciled to God and God longs for all things to be reconciled to him. That God doesn't want any to perish, but for all to have eternal life. And he's called us to be those ministers of reconciliation. To be the ones that proclaim to a world that God has offered reconciliation. God has offered peace. He's offered forgiveness. He's offered love. He asks that we say yes to his grace. That's all he's called us to do. It couldn't be any simpler than that. Say, well, I don't know what to, you know, there's all kinds of programs we can learn and here's all the steps, the things you should say to share the gospel. But at the end of the day, people can see through most of those. There's one program that was made famous, I think in the 70s sometime and uh, went through this whole training program to be certified in doing this uh, evangelistic approach. And then we had somebody stop by our house years ago to give us an estimate on this new siding for our house, which in my mind is, yeah, 10 minutes, take measurements, tell me how much it's going to cost. Oh no, this was a couple of hours of a presentation. And he followed the exact same outline that I followed sharing this gospel presentation. Just take out gospel and put in siding. It's not a sales pitch. It's, it's not a advertisement. It's, it's not a, a presentation. It's just sharing the good news of Jesus. If you want to memorize something, memorize John 3.16. That's all the gospel you need to know. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Just explain what all those terms mean, and you've got an amazing gospel presentation. This is our ministry. Jesus is above all things, and he's to be first in our lives, in our churches, in all of creation. And anything that has not been reconciled to God, he has called us to go and proclaim the message of reconciliation. And sometimes we put so many other things in there, and we attach so many other things onto that. And at the end of the day, this is the message. Be reconciled to God. That God, the Son, who existed from all of eternity, took on flesh, became the physical display of God. The one who is the supreme, most supreme being that exists, came into the world to reconcile all things back to God. This week, would we take those opportunities to 
just give thanks to God for what has been made true of our lives because of Jesus. And to allow God to speak into us and reveal to us ways in which we can make that known. To let people know what Jesus has done for us. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.